Stop comparing yourself to other people's lives. Look at your own life and what resources you have in your life. This is Oversharing with Mikhail Alphonse. Alphonse. Before we get into this episode of the podcast, I wanted to ask you a question. Are you looking to launch your own podcast? If you are, you have to check out Mike Me Audio. My podcast would not sound nearly as amazing as it does if it wasn't for their help. And I frequently recommend them to my clients at Blue Light so you know it's legit. They have a full suite of services to help you launch your own show from ear-catching intros, editing services, and they'll even help you publish your finalized episodes. Now, they've worked with shows like Brittany Crystal's Beyond Influential, Libsyn's The Feed, so you know you're in good company. So if you're looking to launch your own podcast, and you know I recommend you should if you're building a personal brand or a business, just mention my name to nick at mikeme.com, and you'll get your first episode edited for free. Again, reach out to nick at mikeme.com. That's N-I-C-K at MikeMe.com, and they'll edit your first episode for free when you mention this show. But before I speak too much, let's get on to the podcast. What is up, you lovely listener? Welcome to another episode of Oversharing. Our guest today is an international model, a philanthropist, and an entrepreneur born and raised in Redondo Beach, California. Although she studied business finance in college, she began gaining mass recognition in the entertainment world. Early in her career, she signed to Upscale Records in Newport Beach and received a distribution deal through Sony BMG. Since then, she's had an incredible career as a model. She's been featured in magazines such as FHM, Performance Auto and Sound, and Ruckus. She's had numerous TV appearances, including Good Day LA, Kusi, and Kababayan LA. As if that's not enough, she was named Miss Taiwan USA in 2010 and placed in the top five of the Miss Asia USA competition. Her heart for philanthropy has been shown through her work with the No Bullying Project and Pinups for Patriots, which is a national nonprofit organization which supports our military, veterans, first responders, and their families. Today, she continues to work in the entertainment industry, but she's adjusted her aim just a bit. You can find her helping stars like Keanu Reeves and Michael B. Jordan prepare for their roles in major motion pictures like John Wick and Black Panther as a tactical firearms trainer. But before I speak too much, please allow me to overshare with Jennifer Irene Gonzalez. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for making the time to come through today. Um, What I didn't mention here is that you are also a Pilates instructor, a yoga instructor, am I right? A lot of these things have happened in different chapters of my life throughout my career. But now, currently right now, I'm teaching a lot of fitness, yoga, Pilates. Yeah. I just got certified for spin, so hopefully I can audition. (laughs) That's awesome. My goal is to open up a gym where we have all those things. In, uh, In Orange County? Yes, we signed a lease. We're just waiting for the city of Costa Mesa to give us the go. Hopefully that happens. Congratulations. Thank you. That's exciting. Yeah. What kind of fitness center? Uh, we're calling it a wellness center. Um, there's going to be like a 2,000 square foot hot room, yoga mm-hmm. hot room that will have like boot camp and hot Pilates. And then upstairs, we'll, we'll have some maybe some cycle and some mega reformer Pilates. Mm. Uh, to the listener too, we had the opportunity to do an event together. You were on a panel uh, mm-hmm. for mindfulness and meditation, and I did a follow-up interview or something like that afterward. Um, so we got to know each other briefly there. But I, we really haven't sat and sat down to talk. So I'm excited because I get to know you a little bit better. The listener gets to know you a little bit better. So I think the easiest way to start this conversation is uh, telling us a little bit about what you were like in high school. Oh, my goodness. In high school, I would consider myself a nerd in high school. I was um, in advanced classes. I went to a private school. 
I was in advanced classes. I was in zero period, seventh period. And any chance I could find to do more extracurricular activities or little retreats, I would. And a lot of that was to kind of get away from my home life. Mm. I kind of grew up in a broken home. But it, it was it was nice. It was nice. So it's a little flirty in high school. <laughs> <laughs> a little flirty. I was involved in sports. Um, and just like I do today, to figure out what I liked, I dabbled in a little bit of everything until I realized what I really truly enjoyed. Yeah. You mentioned you grew up in a little bit of a broken home. I remember… From the talk that you did, you you mentioned that you grew up in a military household or a military family. Am I saying that right? That came later. My brother and sister, and who are 10 and 12 years older than I am, ended up joining the military to kind of mm. get away from our home life. Why or how was your, your home life broken in high school? It was just chaotic. You know, um, my parents, they struggled financially trying to send, you know, me to a good school and take care of my brother and sister. They were... They were not American citizens yet. My, my dad's from Mexico. My mom's from Taiwan. So finding jobs that were really well-paying and stuff was very difficult and challenging for them. And, uh, you know, just I think a lot of it, too, is they didn't understand communication with each other very well. So it turned into a lot of, you know, outbursts and fighting. And and the kids had to witness it and watch it. And it, it, it was an un- uncomfortable situation. Mm. So, um I've learned a lot through that as an adult on how not to act and how to use your communication skills much better to to get along with people around you and to basically survive in today's world. <laughs> yeah. Outside of like nerding out at school, what were other ways that you were, what, how were other ways that you were like coping with that? I was heavily involved in the church. Mm. Um, I played handbells. I was in the choir. I also played the organ and the piano for our church services on Sunday. So um, Sunday school, anything that I could find. Vacation Bible school, we had retreats. I thought that was so much fun. Mm. It was the closest thing I could find to a close-knit family. Sure. You know, a, a good place to go for healing and strength. And I didn't realize it at the time. At the time, as a young kid, I was just like, you know what? This is fun. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> but now I realize it was really like, it, it was it was God's way of showing me the way to to be able to survive and to get through some of the hard times that we were going through so that it didn't affect me negatively. Mm-hmm. I was able to take my triumph, my, my struggles and— and my broken pieces, and I was able to turn that into strength and turn it into something beautiful. And I still use that strategy today. Yeah. So. So what about your brother and sister? How old are they? They're 10 or 12 years older than me. And this is the first year I will be honest with you now that I'm not really modeling that much anymore that I will admit my true age. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 36 years old. Um, When I was in the modeling world, I had to, you know, kind of lie about my age or whatever. Really? Yeah. Even when you're not like, let's say you're... you know, however old, but you still look younger. You know what I mean? They still yeah. They they go by pictures and how lo- old do you how old do you look? Same with acting. Uh-huh. But sometimes when you put your true age on the piece of paper or on the resume or on your your headshots, mm. they're like, oh no, you know, it's 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 kind of, it's kind of politics too. But um, they're from my mom's side. They're my half brother and sister. Mm. You know, as soon as they turned eighteen, they're like, I'm signing up for the army, and they they're actually really really really. Um, well-respected people in the, in the military right now, too. My sister's a major. My brother was a ranger. He served over 25 years in the military into like five or six years in Iraq. Mm, wow. Yeah. 10 or 12 years older than you. You didn't really grow up with them much, right? Or did you? 
I did. I was a little brat. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little brat. I did. I loved my sissy. My brother, I didn't see much of him. He he got into some trouble as a juvenile and, you know, and I'll be open and honest. He got into into a bad scene, got, you know, involved in some gangs and stuff. And and my mom ended up shipping him off to Taiwan. He came back and all his friends were were dead. And he's like, oh my God, I need to be part of a clique. I need to be part of this. He joined the army and the army strained him out. And it's just funny the way the universe works, yeah. you know? He's one of the top in the army now, so. Wow. So Isn't that his, crazy? Yeah, that is crazy. So his his friends were dead from the from the gangs yeah, that he was in. Yeah, so he, he got involved in yeah. the wrong scene at a very young age because my mom was working three jobs trying to take care of us. Mm-hmm. You know, so she wasn't really around. So my brother had to play the he'd make he'd make you know, you're not supposed to leave your kids home alone before 18, but he had to like cook for me and my sister mm-hmm. and he just rebelled. He rebelled, yeah. got in the wrong scene, and my mom shipped him off to Taiwan, which ultimately was his saving grace because it saved his life. I have a story for for you about that yeah. when we get offline. Um, the what about what about your sister? My sister, how would I describe my sister? She is the the safe zone girl. When growing up, she was the best in school. She always had her nose in romance books. <laughs> she was very skinny. You know, we both got teased as kids. Or I, I think our, her nickname was Olive Oil. Remember Popeye and Olive mm-hmm. Oil? Yeah. Yeah, I got teased too. I had really skinny legs and my friends would be like, you got two strings hanging out of your skirt. Oh, uh-huh. those are your legs. But no, she's she's a good student. She, was, she, she never got into trouble. She's very pretty. Um, <laughs> it's interesting that the first, like, it's interesting that the first thought when they turned 18 was like, let's join the army or the military, let's say. That was definitely not what I was thinking at that time. You You didn't spend any time there though, right? The military? Yeah. I can't see my fingers, but I was very close. Yeah. I had a full scholarship, ROTC scholarship, in which I had to take my SATs three times to get into. And uh, I ended up backing out. Yeah. I was like, you, en- you know what? I want to live life first. <laughs> <laughs> so you ended up um, studying business finance. It, yeah, international banking. And international mm-hmm. banking, great. But then you were approached by modeling agencies as well as, what was it? The... Uh, the upscale records. But keep in mind, this was a very long time ago. Um, but yes, I was a, I was in a cheer, cheer, cheerleading squad, and um, I got scouted. And I, and that year, I don't know what it was. I got scouted a few times, and I, you know, I thought, you know what, let's go for it. Let's go check it out. I knew nothing about the industry. I didn't. I've considered myself an ugly duckling at the time. I mm. felt very awkward with the way I, my exotic looks. And um, sure enough, I went and did something called IMTA, International Mall and Talent Association, and I got 60 callbacks. Oh, wow. So that is how I got, you know, involved with Upscale Records, who had direct affiliations with Sony BMG Distribution and a few other agencies. Mm -hmm. So the Upscale Records, though, was that music and singing and all this? So this is a little hidden thing. Yeah, that was for music and singing. So when I grew up, Growing up, I, you know, Asian side of my family, I was always in piano lessons and mm. singing lessons. And on our free time, we'd go karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> go karaoke. I found that I locked myself up in the room a lot of times and I was writing music. Mm. I ended up surprisingly falling into that with Upscale Records. And I dabbled in it for a little bit. And I realized, oh, this is not for me. Yeah. It's not for me. And that's kind of what I did for a long time. I dabbled in a little bit of something here and there, tried a little bit of everything that I thought was interesting, and that's how I realized, oh, yeah, I like this, but it's not for me. It's, uh, it's not for me. Right. Finally, at my age, I finally found my passion. So. Nice. 
you have no idea how hard I searched for some sort of like music that you, that was like distributed or something like that because I was like, dang, I bet she can sing really well. I didn't want to make any assumptions, but as an Asian man myself, I was like, probably spent a lot of time at the karaoke bars. Yeah, like I did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and exactly. Pl- and I saw that you were on the Cababayan uh, TV, and I was like, wow. Well, I, I grew up watching that as well. Bio, but yes, yeah. yes, yes, I was. That's amazing. Your first modeling gig. How did you get it? My first modeling gig. Oh my goodness. It's kind of funny. I was a model for a bikini trimmer (laughs) (laughs) and Remington brand, a one inch barrel curling iron. This was such a long time ago. And this was in Madison, Wisconsin of all places. Um, It's through a modeling agencies that I was signed with in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And it was for for being my first, first gig. It was the highest paying job I'd ever received. It was like $5,000 for five hours of work. And I got royalties every year. And it was so cool to like go to Target, and CVS, Walgreens at the time. And I was like, Hey, that's my, that's me. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of cool that you were getting royalties off that too. The uh-huh. landscape has changed quite a bit now. I feel like it's, I've over, it's, it's oversaturated now. I feel like in so many, yeah, I agree. The landscape yeah. has changed. I have a whole another theory about that and another reason why I've been slowly getting out of the modeling industry. But I feel like there's so many, in the world of social media, there's so many people that are out there trying to be Instagram models and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, and it's great. I'm very proud of everyone that's doing that. But at the same time, it's supply and demand when people are willing to give their work and their, and their modeling services for cheaper rates. It lowers the rate mm-hmm. for everyone. And there's there's absolute skill behind it as well. Like we've yes. we've done a lot of work and you can definitely tell somebody that's yeah, I'm not trying to be offensive, but like an Instagram model and an actual model. Mm-hmm. Like they know they look, they know where they should stand, they know their own looks and how to produce uh, you know, uh how to produce a different feel in every in every photo. And that's not something that comes across when, you know, there's travel influencers that double as models too. So um can definitely appreciate the art behind it. The whole influencer thing can be a whole new podcast, in my opinion, because I, I've got my own <laughs> opinion <laughs> about that. But yes, you're right. It is a skill, and it's not everyone's made for it, you yeah. know? Yeah. You found a lot of success here. You were on the cover of multiple magazines. Mm-hmm. You were finding international success, things like that. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what life was like, maybe like on the road or finding new jobs like this. It was very exciting for me in my 20s. I was, I've always been a go-getter. And um, I found that I booked most of my work myself mm-hmm. by just going— Back then, we had something called Borders, Borders Books and Music. <laughs> do you remember that? I do. <laughs> Bookstores are slowly diminishing. But I would literally go, and I'd, oh, being the nerd that I am, I'd open up the magazines. I'd study and write down the photographers' names mm. and— and look for email addresses of editors, editors in chiefs. I'd study the style that they want and whatnot. And I just took the time to put together my own press kit, my own resume, my own reel, and I submitted it. And I and I did my research. I should have been a detective because I was really <laughs> able to find these editors' information. And I submitted it. And sure enough, like within I, I think one year, I did fourteen covers. Right. But I was able to travel the world. I did a lot of work in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. They kind of adopted me out there. It's so nice. But you're not Filipina. But I'm not Filipina. You have Spanish and Asian, though, which is basically Filipina. They adopted me as a Filipina. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I saw that. I was like, oh. Yeah. I did a lot of me- Philippine. I did a lot of Women's Health Magazine, FHM, and Miss Manila. I did work with Derek Ramsey and Edu Manzano. Mm-hmm. Wow. Which if, if you're not familiar with the Filipino celebrities, they're like really big celebrities right. out there. 
what was it like being on the road? It was fun. It was exciting for me in my 20s. But then I, I, I hit a point where I was like, man, I'm getting lonely. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to sustain a relationship. Um, being on the road all the time, you know, it, it started to stir up insecurities in the relationships. And, and you know, having pets was difficult. And it, it was exciting and it was adrenaline rush. But at, the, at some point I was like, man, I got to slow down a little bit. You know, I got to find home. Yeah. I got to find home and stay home and figure something out that I want to do around there. Right. So at this point, you know, were your parents supportive of your career path? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. My father became numb to it and he just stopped asking about it. And my mom, she's like, why you no be doctor and lawyer? You know, why, why you no be dentist? But what really made my mom proud um, was when I invited her to the Miss Asia USA. And she kind of got a glimpse of how much hard work I was really putting into it and how much money you could make. Yeah. So that was, that was one of the things I really loved about the modeling industry. It gave me the financial freedom to travel and do the same things that I love simultaneously. Yeah. Your slogan was uh, fried rice and frijoles. That's what I am. <laughs> fried rice and frijoles. Also in Curacao. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, so for the, how long were you a model? Like in, you're, you're recently just getting out of it. It sounds like, right? Well, I thought it was. And then I just landed another cover. We'll be launching in <laughs> next month. That's amazing. That will put it out, I think, 27 covers. Are you even trying to get these covers now? Or do no. they, is it just residual reputation, things like not that? Not anymore. I'm not trying. Um, this one, they came, approached me and asked me to submit some photos. And I guess they took some photos themselves when we did like a video thing on, on the range. Mm-hmm. So this is my first gun magazine cover. Oh, so and awesome. the title of it is Guns and Yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Not the magazine, the, 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 the header. Oh, well, yeah. that's still, I mean, we go, when even when I was reading up on you before you came in today, it was just like, we have one side where it's this uh, career in entertainment and beauty and this other thing. I've, I watched a ton of your videos of you shooting and you're a badass. So, so you. I'm really excited to get into that too. That's a cutthroat industry. I can imagine. Oh. Um, before we get into that part though, what was like competing in these, uh, was, is it considered a beauty contest or a fitness contest? This was a, this was a beauty and fitness contest, I guess you could say. It was hard for me because I got, I'm kind of a late bloomer, kind of a free spirit. So I got started into this at a later age in which I was still denying my age at that time. (laughs) Um, I was one of the oldest contestants in the, in the pageant. Same when I did Miss California USA. I was one of the oldest contestants. And what's oldest in this respect? Like I think 25? the maximum age cutoff was 26. Oh, yeah. okay. I mean, I was competing with 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds. But at the same time, I think I felt like I had a little bit of an advantage because I had more life, ex- a lot of life experience. Mm-hmm. And um, I was studying. And when I say studying, I'm not saying I'm just studying books. And I was studying how the industry works. Mm. I was watching videos on pageants and and competitions and interviews and poise and and what stands out on stage and perfecting my craft. And I think that's why I did pretty well at it. And as with anything in life, it yeah. doesn't have to be just modeling. Anything you do in life, study what goes on around you, study what works for people yeah. and and apply that to your own craft and how it works for you. With these uh, competitions that you were winning, were there cash prizes, more deals? Like oh, yeah. Was, yeah. Cash prizes, sponsorships. I got Jimmy Choo to sponsor me, a pair of shoes. I had Oliver Tolentino you know, cool. sponsor me a, a $5,000 gown. You know, we, we you got modeling contracts. I got to keep the gown. Wow. Um, we got modeling contracts. We got a lot of cool things came out of it. A great exposure. 
most of all, what the biggest reward I think that I got out of it was being able to voice to the community, be a role model to the community, and uh, show that, hey, you know what? I'm one of the oldest contestants in this pageant, but I still placed in top five. You, know, you do, Don't give up. Don't be discouraged because doubt kills more dreams than failures ever did. Don't doubt yourself. Yeah. Just get up there and do it. Yeah. <laughs> when was it that you started shooting guns? That came in my 30s. And like I said, this is the first year that I've ever admitted my age. Um, <laughs> I started shooting guns probably about only, only about five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Was this with the influence of your brother and sister? No, not at all. Not at all related, actually. It was through entertainment. So um, I had shot the how. Do you want to know how I got introduced to Taryn Butler of Taryn Tacticals? Yes, I would. Okay, so there's a man named Wally Crowder. He's the owner and president of Stunt Players, stuntplayers.com. And uh, we did a shoot with an Audi R8, and uh, he ended up inviting me to do some precision driving on Dexter. And then one day he said, Did you do the precision precision I driving? To, I got to do you blow my mind. Like <laughs> there's just <laughs> precision Asian, driving model Asian, guns. Asian driver coming true. <laughs> Watch out, people. <laughs> That's crazy. I'm sorry. Come on. <laughs> so um he ended up introducing me to Taryn Butler. He's like, Hey, you want to come out and shoot sometime? I was like, um, okay, I'll try. And then he sends me a picture of him and Josh Dumal shooting, mm. you know, Fergie's husband. I was like, Oh my god, I love him. And I ended up going out, and I, I didn't know really what much of what I was doing. And Taryn Butler ended up taking me under his wing and um, trained me about relentlessly for the first two years, about three, four days a week. I mean, I was driving to Simi Valley and mm-hmm. back to Orange County. We're talking 80 miles each way and putting in the work. And at home, I was dry firing. I was dry firing. I was working with laser guns and practicing my grips and strength control and working on my lats, like trying to get mm. trying to get my arms stronger. And um, a lot happened from there. And, and we have Keanu to thank for a lot of the company's success because he, he uh, with John, the, the making of John Wick, John Wick 2, he, uh, he really helped expose us. And it went viral on TMZ and the internet. And next thing you know, we have all these other celebrities wanting to come out. In addition to who was already coming out privately, mm-hmm. but it became more nationwide and well-known. And um, I ended up assisting Taryn with a lot of the training. Me and a few other, I think two or three other girls are part of a team. And it, it's just, it's been, it's been such a wonderful ride since then. It's yeah. been great. Yeah. Got to meet so many people, influential people. Do they manufacture the guns? Is that they do? They're also they do. A firearms retailer. Yes. They make it there on site. And these guns, these firearms have been featured on movies like not just John Wick, but I think one. Oh, so many. Yeah. Star Wars, um, The Excuse Walking me. Dead. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Star Wars, The Walking Dead. Um, you know, Michael Rooker, Guardians of the Galaxy. We worked with him a lot. We're working on SWAT. I mean, there's uh, countless. Yeah. So many that it's it's hard to even say. Um, we made the guns for uh, James Cameron's Jurassic World. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's amazing. I didn't make them. Terrence Company Yeah, yeah, did, yeah. But, of course. Yeah. But, like, that's still amazing. I had no idea that it was that much. Like, on its surface, I thought it was more of, like, you know, this is where people go to get trained. And then when I looked up the website, create some beautiful pieces. I don't I don't really know the vernacular in that industry. You know, it's but funny. It's not even, it wasn't even started off as a training facility. It's a uh, it's private property. It's mm. it's Taryn's company. It's his property. It's where he trained because he's a competition shooter, and uh, we would you know obviously we'd work with a lot of the LAPD, SWATs, and and uh, 
first responders would come out and train there because it's one of the only places we can run and gun. Yeah. So to say, if you go to a gun range, you can't you can't run a gun. You have can only shoot by their rules. So yeah. it's been quite a blessing in disguise, and I'm so proud of Taryn and all his success with it too, and for for you know allowing me to be a part of it. And same with the other girls. Yeah. Do you ever compete with your brother and sister? No, <laughs> no, I don't. My brother's actually out of the military now. He's retired. And my sister is working on her retirement. She's stationed in Hawaii. Mm. Yeah, she's she's a major now. So, so uh, your husband, right? Uh, no, boyfriend. Boyfriend. I'm yeah. sorry. He's also in the military. Uh, no, people think that though. He's a firefighter. Oh, yeah, he's that's a firefighter also cool. paramedic. I think when I saw him, he had like that green color that kind of reminds me of that. It's a pretty buff dude. I kind of just. Oh, he would love to I hear think. that. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps saying, Jen, you're making me gain weight because I love to eat. Yeah. But no, he's he definitely is a big guy. He's buff. Um, he's not military, but he does get that a lot. It's the mustache and the tactical gear that we have. So, <laughs> yeah. so I mean, you're hustling and busting all the time. All it the seems time. Like, right? Um, how are you managing your relationship with, uh, and I'm sorry, what was his name again? Eric. Eric. How are you managing your relationship with Eric? I mean, firefighter schedules are relatively demanding. They're gone for weeks at a time too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, how do you guys stay connected through all that while you're moving around and, you know, he's back waiting at the uh, station? Well, a few things. Um, what's first and foremost important is balance. It's one thing we can control and the one thing we lose control of. And what I found that in my 20s that I was doing wrong is that I was too free spirit. I was all over the globe. And it was a great experience at the time. But for where I'm at in my life now, I'm trying to stay more locally and more more central. Mm. So the farthest I go now is Simi Valley. <laughs> it still seems pretty far. Yeah, Simi Valley. And then most of my fitness stuff is all related here in Orange County. And when the gym opens, it'll be even more so here in Orange County. But to answer your question, his schedule, we, we, are, we have a shared calendar in which we can see each other's schedule. And on the days that I'm working and I'm busy, he can pick up an extra overtime shift, which gives him more freedom to take time off later, you know. And I actually like that he's gone a lot because it makes us appreciate our time together and value our time together even more. And I can schedule myself along in those days and not have to worry about being back. I have to be back at 5 p.m. because honey's going to be home. You know, I can, I can, I can squeeze all my work in those days. Yeah, that's one of the great things about being a freelancer like myself. Um, we can make our own schedules. Yeah, has yeah. that been your whole life, really, just kind of freelancing and contract work, things like that? For the mo- yeah, for the most part, it was very unexpected. I mean, if you were to ask me when I was in high school applying for colleges, if what did I want to be when I grew up, I, I, I would have never said freelancer. Yeah. But, but um, I think yeah, the most uh. The most full-time job I've had was in college. Yeah. Working like three jobs, paying out-of-state tuition. That was gnarly. Where did you go to school? I went to Northern Illinois University. Gotcha. Yeah. In Chicago. DeKalb, actually. Home of Cindy Crawford. Nice. My freshman initiation, I had to tip a cow. Oh, okay. <laughs> I tried to anyway. Did it work? No. I almost died. It just reminds me of that, like, you ever see Tommy Boy? No. <laughs> Tommy Boy goes to try and uh, push over the cow, but he slips in the mud and ends up like getting like stomped on. <laughs> oh, I'm sure all the locals there are laughing at me. Look at this California girl. She has no idea what yeah. she's doing. <laughs> so uh, the listener today might be, you know, freelancing, starting their own business or even well into their business. Definitely a lot of freelancers too. As you were gaining momentum in whichever career it was, whether it be modeling or whether 
personal training or the or the firearms uh, training. What were some of the strategies that you had to start asking for more money? Because at one point, you know, you get the entry level fees and people are offering you that, but then you start to understand what you're worth in your time. How did you start to, you know, ask for bigger retainers, bigger fees, things like that, so that you could make a living for yourself? You have to work smarter, not harder, and that's something that you have to remind yourself constantly because it's easy to book yourself so much that you're booking all these little jobs and and it's not doing anything for you but driving you into the ground. So to answer your question, your first, well, your question was how did I pick my rates and yeah. such? Okay, well, when, that comes with time, and you, ha- you ha- a lot of that comes with confidence and self-respect, and you have to realize what is it that you can bring to the table to offer this company? What is your worth? And I feel like a lot of people forget that. They need to remind themselves and start giving themselves affirmations to realize what their worth is. Why should you pay me this much per hour or this much per day in order for me to offer my services to you? And, and, and this is a per individual basis, so I can't speak for everyone. But the best way to determine that is what is worth it to you. You have to factor in time away from your family, your gas, time driving. Is it worth you not having this day off? Is this, is this job going to benefit you in the long run? If, it, if, it's, if it's more beneficial to you than it is to them, maybe you can lower your rate a little bit so you can have the exposure. There's so many variables, so it's hard for me to answer that question as a direct whole. Mm-hmm. But th- those are things that you should ask yourself. Yeah. What can I bring to the table? How can my services benefit you more than your, or, or equally, or if not more than your services will benefit me? Will this ex- will this exposure be worth it for me to maybe be a little more flexible with my rate? Mm-hmm. The time away from my family is that worth it? Mm-hmm. It's whatever value you place on that. So, when you were asking for higher rates, things like that, did you ever have somebody that would kind of try to negotiate with you and? Let's say you're offering five thousand dollars for the day, but they're like, "eh, twenty five hundred." Did you did you have to deal with those types of situations? All the time, all the yeah. time. And How did you navigate through that? I mean, I feel like in this industry, it's it's all about negotiating. If you, when you were talking about you know the freelance industry, and you have to take a step back and think about, well, if I lower my rate, is it still better than what I had before? Is it still worth it for me to to go that route? rather than deny the job entirely. That's something that I can't answer for people as a whole. They have to ask answer that for themselves. Say, for example, someone has to make their rent. and they, they Is it worth it for them to say no to this job, even though it'll still pay their rent because they're being too stubborn to take the 5000 They want the $5,000 rate, you know? Yeah. That's up to the individual. Um, so to answer your question in, as a whole, I, you have to take a look at the variables in your own life and decide from there what's beneficial to you and if this is still better than what you had before. So is this a step forward or not? When you were dealing with getting new jobs, I imagine, especially with magazines like FHM, Performance, Auto, things like that, uh, that it was male-dominated. Am I correct in that assumption? You're very correct, yes. How did you, was that tough for you, like trying to like gaining respect and, you know, getting the right rates and things like that when, when you were when you were modeling for those Surprisingly magazines. for me, no. Mm-hmm. I, I have heard stories with other people that it was very hard. But for me, I, I stood my ground. Yeah. I, I stood my ground and I conducted myself in a professional manner that really, I think, stood out with a lot of professional companies. Like, so when I did Maxim and I did FHMs, I did like, I don't know, like nine FHMs. They were always really good about paying me my rate. Mm. 
I never, I never posed nude, you know, mm. so it was always bikini or lingerie. And so I think that, that built a different respect or different clientele as well too. But at the same time, while I was doing this work, I was also helping other people, regardless of whether or not those, those other people would become my competition. And I think that also helped me build a female following mm. that were also trying to get into the industry. So, so it just goes, it, it's just how you, it's how you go about things. I mean, go about things with intent, integrity, uh, being a good person. So yeah. What were some of the like simple things that you did to maintain professionalism on set or in your negotiations? Contracts. Mm. Contracts are always great. A uh, letter of intent. If you're going to be showing up to a day of filming, uh, you know, sign the contract that you're going to show up. If you don't, then there's a cancellation fee. Um, bringing my own hair and makeup artist if I needed to, or having professional hair and makeup, not showing up complete like some girls show up just looking completely trash sometimes mm -hmm. and you have to think these people who's who you submitted to are expecting a certain type of demeanor a certain type of professional to show up on their shoot i mean if it's a nationwide magazine especially um having plenty of wardrobe options it, we're still talking about modeling mm -hmm. right okay having plenty of wardrobe options shoe options sometimes they supply it for you great being punctual is yeah. very key Especially when, you know, they have to pay for studio time, pay for photographer. These are just simple, simple, simple yeah. things. But a lot of those, I mean, you mentioned like we're still talking about modeling, but it's like a lot of those apply to any. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Having the letter of intent, having good looking contracts, you know, things like that. They don't have to be 15 pages long, but it should probably be grammatically correct. It's showing a, a mutual respect, I feel like, for each person's time. Mm -hmm. Everyone's time is valuable. Whether you're paid or not, everyone's time is valuable. Always tagging and giving credit to the people that helped you. That mm. that's that's also a I feel like something that a lot of people forget to do. No matter how far, how many years go by, if you're posting a photo, give your photographer credit, give the wardrobe stylist credit, give the hair and makeup artist credit. That that's how you people gain respect for you, and they will start to book you for other jobs. And a lot of stuff. And in the long, in the end, I ended up booking most of my work by word of mouth. Mm. The word of mouth are on my own. I didn't have to pay agency fees because I was doing most of it myself. You mentioned, you know, speaking of giving shout outs and respect to other people and you get it back. When we did that talk together, you asked a question and it was something along the lines of like, you know, what could I say to surrounding myself with certain type of people to help propel you to the next stage or like to help support whatever your dream is? Um, do you remember asking that by any chance? Yeah, I do. Yeah, to yeah. you, right? Yeah, to me. Yes. It sounded like to me that it came from a place of like you've had to experience letting some people go uh, mm -hmm. in the past. Is that is that true? Absolutely. That's part of changing. You are not the same person you were five seconds ago, five minutes ago, five years ago. And if you're still hanging out and, and, and expecting to be surrounded by the same people in your life that you forever, like, I mean, sure, there's a few good friends and whatever— it, you're not really evolving. You're not really changing. You're not really moving on to next chapters of your life. You should constantly be aware that where you are moving and where you're going in your life, you're going to lose friends. You're going to gain friends. And the, the people that you're surrounding yourself with should be fitting towards what you're doing with your life. Mm. And it's, it's the art of letting go. It's the art of letting go. It's the art of change. It's the art of, of blossoming into a new and better you. Yeah. What was one situation where you consciously had to let somebody go because it, you kind of knew that it was holding you back? The first thing that comes to my mind is um, 
part of when, when I was working in the modeling industry, mm-hmm. well, we had to go to a lot of events and and p- parties and fun stuff, and that was great. But what I needed to sit back and remind myself was like, look, Jen, you're a little bit older than a lot of these girls that you're that you're working with and whatever. You're in a different place in your life, mm-hmm. okay? You can turn these things down and focus on your relationship and focus on your goal to have a family someday. It's okay. And that's one of the first things that comes to my mind. I don't have to keep up with the latest trends and all that stuff. I got to do what's best for me. Mm. And that, that to me is not being selfish. It's, it's taking care of yourself. And when you take care of yourself, you can be a better influencer and a better role model for the people around you. How are you, how does taking care of yourself show up today? Oh, in, in so many ways. I mean, the, one of the first things that comes to my mind is yoga and fitness. Discovering that has been a life changer, a game changer for me. And so many people, I, I, I'm more health conscious about the things that I eat. I made some very poor choices in my, in my lifetime with my, my food choices. Because sure. I took for granted the fact that I was naturally thin and, and I looked in shape even though I didn't work out very much. <laughs> but then I realized that, hey, shoot, I'm going to hit diabetes. I'm going to have diabetes. Yeah. Or this is bad for you. So food choices, lifestyle choices. Meditation, yoga, fitness, also being on a teacher, helping other people gain, get that too. Same with, uh, on the flip side, there's a lot of controversy with the guns yeah. and shootings. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand that and I get it and I sympathize and I empathize for, for, for what's happening in this world in general. On a flip side, there's always going to be firearms and tactical stuff in, in movies and Hollywood and, and our, with our first responders and and, uh, you know, SWAT teams, LAPD. And we have to learn about gun safety. We have to learn how to properly handle and control a gun, mm-hmm. how to protect yourself. Um, there's always going to be bad guys out there that are, that are, that are you know, going to be able to get a hold of things that they're not supposed to get a hold of. And you need to know how to defend yourself. So that that's that's another way that I'm working on yeah. applying that towards my daily life. Also relationship-wise, we live in a world of social media where we're constantly comparing ourselves to controlled online content. We're looking at all these picture-perfect proposals and and perfect dresses and perfect families and, oh my God, look at her fur family, look at her (laughs) ring. Stop comparing yourself to other people's lives. Look at your own life and what resources you have in your life. Mm. Because not everybody's at the same place. Everybody's in a different chapter in their life. that, That to me is one of the biggest factors in today's world is we are, we have a false illusion of reality. We need to take a step back and look at your own reality, self-evaluate and go from there. I think that's heavy too. It is I, very heavy. It's, it's interesting how we start creating benchmarks for success, for beauty, for relationships based off of other people's highlight reels. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's not even, it's not sustainable. No. You know, when you're paying attention to your own life, I mean, in your meditation, is there something specifically that you go through to kind of evaluate where you are and what you want? When I meditate, a lot of it is about finding more about myself and my true self and my inner self. And mm. what is it that I need to work on within me to become a better person for, for not only myself, but for the people around me, for the world? And uh, one of many things that comes to mind is... Where did I come from? Where is my hurt stemming from? And how do I focus on healing that 
so that doesn't resurface its ugly face later on. Mm. You know, that's one of the first things that comes to my mind. You know, it's just, it's hard. It's hard. It's it's a self-learning process. Mm -hmm. It's something that people are mostly very afraid to touch, very afraid to go to. It's a place of truth. It's a place of truth that people are not willing to accept many times. And a lot of it is because they don't want to accept the truth about themselves because they have this false illusion of what things should be mm-hmm. rather than how things really are. When I look at your career, and I'm sure that there's so many other things that we didn't even touch on, and I'm, I want to, I'll ask you a question after this. But when I look at your career, see, I can tell that you were so diligent about what you were doing. You really mm-hmm. set out to be the best at what you were doing, and I think. On one interview or one bio I was reading of you, there there was something along the lines of like, you know, you were looking to take over the world. <laughs> Not really. That was kind of. <laughs> I am so. <laughs> like pinky and the brain. Exactly. But when you're modeling, then you go from modeling to like the, the driving, the stunt driving that you're doing, the tactical firearms. Now you're starting a new business. One thing that really comes to mind is the idea of discipline and how disciplined you will you would have had to be to be freelancing and, and contracting work over the course of the last 10 years, 15 years, or however long it's been. Like, how do you stay disciplined and what keeps you disciplined to continue doing this? Because from my lens and from what I see, you've, you've gained a lot of success, but that doesn't come just because you're like, you know, wishing it into the universe. So what are some of those diligent things, the work that you're doing behind the scenes that allows you to continue to do that? To many, it might seem like, oh, well, she's a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and that's not true because a lot of the stuff that we've talked about has come through different points of my life. Mm -hmm. But to stay disciplined in all this, you have to do everything with passion and intent. Intent is so important. What do you intend? What is your end goal? One of the biggest things is to be able to manage your time properly and keeping a calendar, keeping a schedule Taking a, making a list of things to do and slowly checking off that list of things to do is so vital to being able to remind because your mind cannot process and remember everything. You have mm-hmm. to take notes. You have to keep. You have to keep a record of what you need to do and um, your goals. Uh, maybe even put up a, a vision board. You know, put up a vision board and something that you can see every day and remind yourself: This is my goal. This is what I want. House, family. Um, financial freedom. Maybe you're maybe you're trying to get out of credit card debt, and you're too afraid to dabble into some t- some new career because you're afraid that you have to take a pay cut. Discipline yourself in other ways. Cut back, cut budget, budget. Cut back on some things that that maybe perhaps you don't need, and put that aside so that you can invest. You know, even if it takes six months, you can invest a little bit of money into a new dream. You know, I know a lot. I've seen I've I've seen a lot of people of YPO YPO's Young Presidents Organization. Mm-hmm. Are you involved in that? No, not yet. (laughs) Not yet. But a lot of them, you know, were able to become the successful people that they were without a college degree. Now, I'm not saying don't get your college degree and go, don't go tell mom and say, I don't need to get a college degree. I'm saying what you put your mind to, what the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve, but you got to have the will and the intent to do so. And managing your time would be my number one my number one advice for doing that, find balance. And that doesn't mean give up, you know, your time with your family. You got to give time for yourself because you got to regroup. You've got to reset. Oh, I got all these things to do. I got all these things to do. Well, you're not going to get things done if you're not giving yourself time to rest. Yeah. I love that. That's like such an important thing. In fact, 
uh, I love when you said, you know, everybody's time is valuable, even though, even if you're not getting paid, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I think it's so important. It's the one thing that like, I kind of, my client, at least our partners know us by is like, I want to treat them with that type of respect, you know? So mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. So I got to ask, you've done so many things in your life. Mm -hmm. um, what secret talents do you have or what are you secretly working on that we can't find online right now? <laughs> I haven't Googled myself in a while. I probably should go check that out. Um, what secret talents do I have? Uh, I played 14 years of piano. Do you still play today? No, I don't play, but uh, I, I'm sure I can remember. I think the piano one's pretty heavy. When I see what you can do on the shooting range, when I hear that you were driving the R8s, like <laughs> things like that, and a model playing piano, I'm like, there has pretty, to be something. <laughs> I've been pretty transparent with everything. That I, oh, I, I, I went through, I got my way through college with, by doing hair and makeup. That's awesome. And bartending. Oh, that's cool. I'm a kick-ass bartender. I love I make that. A, I mean, I make a good drink. Yeah. Everything in moderation. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, on the, on the little, little, little side things, I, I do hair and makeup and it's really fast, easy money. It's like $150 an hour, you know? So. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jen, I, I, you know, can you do my makeup for this? Yeah, sure. Come on over. In an hour <laughs> and a half, you make 150 bucks. That's play money. You know, it's yeah. fun. So, yeah, I'd say hair and makeup. And <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So is there a projected launch date for the Wellness Center? We're hoping for March. We're hoping okay. for March. But this is all we are so dependent on right now, the mercy of the city, because it's an older building and there's not enough parking. Mm. So we'll see. If it doesn't, if they don't approve... Then we, we just have to find a new location. We have the funding. We have the plans. We're ready to go. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm excited to see what you do with that. Um, and that's probably what I'm going to be end up sticking with. You know, I've done so much with my life and my career that I realized that fitness, teaching, and training is my passion. That's what I want to do. I love that. But it took all those other things for me to find, hey, this is what I want to do. You know, like… I feel as if I can relate to a certain extent. Like, as you know, the listener knows, I started off as a nurse. I played poker professionally for a couple of years. Then, you know, was a sales manager guy. Then I started this this company essentially. And it's like you go like almost all over the place, but each one you pick up a skill that brings over to the next thing yes. and the next thing. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, um, that's why when I'm hearing you, I'm like lighting up because I'm like, man, it's yeah, I it's, can relate to you. Yeah, it's I remember funny hearing how your story. <laughs> your mom is so cute. I met your mom. <laughs> she's right. so sweet. <laughs> yeah, she's a sweetheart. Uh, <laughs> she's definitely been like, definitely been the staple. Well, yeah, you know, as as we all go through. And these you things. understand the poker industry is a cutthroat industry too. Yeah, poker. Like, is it's so risky. Definitely risky. I mean, it's and you can get caught up into it really bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like. The community isn't isn't always the most positive community that's going to bring out the best in you. A lot of degenerate gamblers. I was one of them. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. Speaking of that, you know, that's that's one reason too why I've decided I really enjoy the fitness world. The fitness world and the teaching and training world because modeling's great. But, you know, it's again, it's cutthroat. Gun industry was even more cutthroat. Mm. Being a female who used to be a model in the gun industry has been really hard. Yeah. <laughs> can imagine. Yeah, it's been really hard. It took some time to earn the respect of a lot of the people in that industry. Yeah. 
The one thing I love about the fitness thing too, and why I am a huge proponent of grit cycle and these, and these kind of group classes now where I never thought I would be, but when you associate with people like that, it's like, they're typically on that same thing that you are. Mm -hmm. I want to improve my body. I'm like trying to, you know, I don't want to get shit faced every day because you can't cheat hard work. Exactly. Like all that stuff. So I want to be around more of those people like yourself, you know what I mean? Because it's like, we're like-minded at least on one level. And then it turns out, you know, if they're really passionate about it, it kind of like bleeds into other parts of their life. I think it's really important. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And it took a very long time for me to see that and realize that. Yeah. And I found home. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, Jennifer, you've been so generous with your story today. I appreciate it. There's so many, there's so many, like, just like your career, there's so many different things we can take away of just from the last hour of talking with you. Um, before you. I ask the last question of today, though, uh, if somebody wants to connect with you, where can they find you? Um, you can find me, I'm mostly on Instagram, more than Facebook. I'm Jennifer Irene Official. And if you are uh, a fan of the shooting world, you can go to Jennifer Irene Shooter. I've dedicated that page to just tactical stuff. Um, yeah, Jennifer Irene. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Jennifer, if you were to sum up your life's mission into one statement, what would it be? The more you learn, the more you realize, the less you know. <laughs> I love that. Uh, To the listener, thank you so much for your time and attention. We really appreciate it. If you loved the episode, we would dig a five-star review. And if you didn't like it that much, feel free to stick it to us, but subscribe anyway, because we're going to have a lot of incredible people just like Jennifer back on the show. And before we sign off today, I'd just like to give a shout out to Mike Me Audio, who makes every single one of these podcasts absolutely phenomenal in your ears. Check out MikeMe.com and we'll see you next week on Oversharing. Oversharing.